Welcome to the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Terea Rodriguez, and I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Evie Tackett. Both of us are functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, and we love working with women from all over the world through our virtual programs, helping women not only feel better, but actually achieve that vibrant, no-holds-barred version of themselves they've been missing for a long time. And how we actually get there? Well, that is what this show is all about. Now, please keep in mind that this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. And if you like what you hear today, we would love for you to hit that follow button, leave a review in Apple Podcast, share with your friends, and keep coming back for more. Let's start today's adventure, shall we? Okay, welcome back, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about one of our favorite topics that Evie and I talk about, which is a circadian rhythm and why circadian rhythm is so important to health. There's so many different reasons and a lot of ways that we can take this. Um, I'll always ask Evie, like, when did you discover that circadian rhythm was like a thing we needed to pay attention to other than jet lag? Yeah. Um, I would say probably similar to what we talked about in last episode of, you know, when I started doing morning routines and really getting into the healthy habits and building habits, it was around that time where I wanted to get out and go for a walk because I feel better when I get up and get moving. But then I learned more about circadian rhythm and how light exposure in the morning can really impact um, how the rest of your day goes. It can impact your sleep and so then I started getting really interested in that. So I'd say that it's been about three going on four years where I've paid attention to that and strategically been doing things for my circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say it's probably about the same. Like when I was flying as a professional pilot and, you know, previously, it was really all about managing your time zones, managing jet lag, you know, really paying attention to what could you do to help shift that kind of stuff so that you could be more of a human and less of a zombie. Um, but when I got into, you know, my own healing journey and discovered that there are certain biological cues that happen that are external to us in our environment that have a huge impact on our health, that's when I started learning about circadian rhythm. Um, I also came across this, uh, article and conversation, um, with a friend of mine, Christopher Kelly, and and the term is Zeitgeber. Have you ever heard the term Zeitgeber? I have not. So Zeitgeber, it's a it's a German term, and really that is the meaning of the word is defined as like external influence, right? These are the external influences, and Zeitgebers are basically biological rhythms, right? So these cycles that are related to our sleep or our waking, our mood, our cognitive performance, and it's all related to the body's internal clock. So there's a whole list of these different influences, like the seasons and temperature, right, can influence the way that our metabolism runs, for example, um, social interactions that we're having. So as a human, we tend to have social interactions during the day and less of them at night, unless, you know, you're a grave shift person. Like, of course, all of this gets turned on its head. Um, exercise patterns, um, 
our eating and drinking patterns can cue certain things in the body, right? So our metabolism and the way that insulin works and leptin and ghrelin and all of those different hormones that happen with our hunger. Uh, but the most powerful one, light. Yeah. And that's the one that just I was kind of blown away because, of course, I didn't really understand how the different wavelengths that are present in different light tones, right? So if you think about a sunrise and a sunset, those are always going to have those warm light tones, as opposed to when the sun is totally at noon, it's kind of more of a bright white or blue tone to the light. Those different tones or wavelengths of light actually hit photoreceptors, not only in our eyeballs, but also on our skin, right? And can have a huge effect on all sorts of different things. And so that's where this whole Zeitgeber thing got super really interesting for me as light. Yeah. Um, Same. I I became so fascinated by that of there are these natural cues, these, I call it free medicine, right? All around us that we oh, just, yeah, yeah so we just, great. I'm like, I have, Really, the light is what's going to help dictate, tell my body like how much cortisol to produce or how, you know, what digestion could look like or when to start going to sleep. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized like we have overcomplicated things because we've had these cues for so long, right? Before electricity, this was definitely way more natural for people. Like the sun is up, so we should be doing things and the sun goes down. We should probably turn in and go to bed. So it was just really interesting to me as well of like that this is so simple and overlooked and um, that, but it plays such a big role in our health and especially the circadian rhythm. It does. And, um, you know, most people think of circadian rhythm as the time that we go to sleep. And one of the things that I found really interesting when I was really digging deep into a lot of the different articles about it and some of the studies that have been published is, you know, a lot of our hormones are on these internal circadian rhythm type clocks, but they need these external cues, these zeitgebers. I love that word. It's so fun to say. Uh, these zeitgebers to be able to um, trigger them, right? And so we think about sleep that there is this, uh, you can think of it as a clock or a timer that is instigated in the body with morning light that approximately 12 hours later is when the body starts to produce melatonin. And so, you know, I think it is kind of counterintuitive at first when you tell somebody, like you tell a client, like, first morning sunlight is great. It's going to help you sleep the next night. And they're like, what? Yeah. What? How is that possible? But it's because that timer, that internal clock gets cued. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're able to, you know, produce a little bit more melatonin. Now, this is assuming, of course, that they're not under a bunch of bright light at nighttime, right? We can talk and get into that and talk a little bit about that. But yeah, these light cues are huge for the body. And I know you, Abby, you've also been um, experimenting with red light. Do you want to talk about the red mm -hmm. light piece specifically and the red wavelengths and what you've learned about that? Yeah. So I've been doing red light therapy. I first got into it because I started seeing a lot of products about it. And I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. And you know, to be honest, I was like, this might be good for skin, you know, just, you know, vanity things too of this might help some scarring of skin things that I have with acne and all that. And so I got into it with that. But then the more I learned about photobiomodulation, how it affects your mitochondria. And then I met someone locally to me uh, here in Cincinnati who owns uh, Midwest Red Light Therapy. And he talks, to, he taught me a lot about you know, red light and how you can time it during the day. So ideally you want to be exposed to red light during the day because that's when we're also exposed to red light. But also red light comes from things like 
fire, right? So candles, if you light your house later on in the evening when the sun goes down, you have a fireplace or you have candles lit, that's going to be red light exposure too. So it's a lot more gentle. It's not as bright or stimulating as blue light, which is what we get usually, um, you know, middle of the day, that noon sun you were talking about. Um, So ideally you want to be exposed to red light when the sun is still out, but it can also be very efficient or very effective at regulating your circadian rhythm as well, because it can take away that big high stimulation from the blue light that you get during the day and help kind of bring your cortisol Mm -hmm. levels down, increase melatonin when you do it in the evening too. Um, And like we talked about with the light exposure in the evening, really trying to decrease the amount of blue light and really all spectrum of light in the evening. So you can use things like blue light blocking glasses, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, But I've also with the red light, I've experimented with doing a red light light bulb in my lamp. Ooh, fun. So I've been doing that. It's just two nights of it. So I don't have a lot to go off of, but I will say that it definitely changes the environment of the room. Um, You know, even though it's just one lamp that was lit, I still feel like that was a little too much light exposure, too much blue light because it was an LED light. Um, So having Mm -hmm. that red light, that red kind of just light take over the room is really relaxing the evening. Um, I've heard a lot of people do this with kids as well, and it can help them with their melatonin levels because they can sleep a lot better if they have more of that red light in the evening and that softer light versus that harsh blue light that comes from the light bulbs and LED lights that we're used to. Yeah, exactly. I, I just happened to look at an Instagram feed and Dr. Rhonda Patrick, I love her as a researcher and scientist. And she was talking about a research paper that just recently came out that studied blue light exposure in children and how it suppressed um, blue light or white light, right? Or normal light bulbs, the LED lights, that kind of thing, the stuff that's coming off of screens, like all of that is blue light exposure. Um, that it suppressed melatonin production in children 98%. Yeah. 98%. Like, can you imagine how different bedtime would be if, you know, there were warm lights in the evening as opposed to screens and bright lights, and then you're trying to get these kids to go to bed, but they have zero melatonin, right? Because they're not producing it and they don't want to go to bed, right? But it can be a lot easier and a smoother transition. And when you talk about your red light bulb, I always think about the times when I'm outside or camping and we are around a campfire, right? There's this like, I don't know, it's almost like a um, meditative draw Mm -hmm. to just look at the fire and watch the fire and just relax. Like that's such a soothing piece. And it a lot of it has to do with these cues that's happening in the body is that we're not looking at really bright light. We're just looking at these nice warm glows of fire or sunset or whatever that happens to be. And our body is starting to do the things that it was designed to do, like help us have really restorative sleep, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in turn will help us set up the day for a really nice response with our cortisol. Yeah, definitely. It's been, I'm excited to see what the next few weeks of doing that's going to bring because I already wear blue light blocking glasses in the evening, but I'm I'm interested to see if I have those, if I have that light bulb in there. And, you know, I also got string lights too. So I actually, interestingly, you brought up the research with the kids. I bought those for my nephews for Christmas because one of them, he already wears blue light blocking glasses, which I think is so cute. Uh, he, he, I think he heard me talking about it him early. Yeah, and he was really interested. So he uses that if he's on his iPad in the evening, but I'm, I'm going to be curious Great. if he 
if they do this red light, if that also helps, because he does have trouble sleeping. You know, he's he's the kid who wakes mm-hmm. up at three in the morning and wants to go sleep with mommy and daddy. So I wonder if that's going to be, you mm-hmm. know, helpful. And so when I saw that it was reassuring, I'm like, okay, this could probably be a good thing for him to have that red light in the evening and just that dimmer, softer light versus the harsh light that is on usually. Right. Right. Yeah. Keep us posted how that goes yeah. because I, I'm super curious to see see what's happening with the, the your own red lights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we took, we, my husband and I, we, we decided to get those hue lights that you can control the different colors oh, yes. off mm-hmm. of. And so we put those in our bedside lamps. And so we always have them set to some like orangey red type color when we're um, going to bed so that, you know, we're, we're queuing that way. And both of us actually have noticed that it's a heck of a lot easier to fall asleep when we switched the color of the lamps in our bedroom. Very cool. Um, getting up, right? I think a lot of my clients who are challenged with sleep and getting up early in the morning, or they, they have a little bit of a, what I call a shifted circadian rhythm, right? Where they're kind of doing the night owl thing and then sleeping in until nine or 10 in the morning. And one of the things we start working on is shifting that to be closer and closer to the cycle of the sun. Um, but just getting out first thing in the morning, like you and I can rattle off probably five to seven different benefits of why that's so important. Mm-hmm. You want to take a stab at it and I'll <laughs> fill in the rest? Well, um, because like you said, the I think of it as like a countdown, right? It sets the countdown of when your body will start to produce more of the melatonin so you can start to unwind and get to bed earlier so it helps your sleep. Um, yeah. I think it sets the tone for it's time for the body to get up and get going. Cortisol production will increase, which we know that hormone helps us. Uh, you know, it's the f- hormone that helps with the alertness. It's also anti-inflammatory. So we want that to be at the appropriate levels at the appropriate times of the day. Um, I mentioned in the other mm-hmm. episodes, I personally like it because it helps me. Um, it's a good time for me to kind of wash off the, like the night and the sleep and just get moving and kind of get those cobwebs out so I can get alert, be alert during the day. Uh, what would you add to that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, getting outside and going for a walk first thing in the morning, it may not be circadian mm-hmm. rhythm related, but you know me, I like to double dip whenever possible. So whatever I'm doing, I want to have it have multiple benefits, right? So you get some movement yeah. in, which is hugely important, like start off the day with some just getting steps in it. We're not talking putting running shoes on and going for a five mile run. Literally, like you can just walk around the block. Um, And if you don't have that kind of energy, sit on your porch, drink a cup of tea or whatever it is in the morning and just get that morning sun. Um, I try to, even though it's winter, So sometimes in the winter, it's just my face, right? But I try and expose as much skin. So sometimes I'll like roll up my sleeves or whatever, expose as much skin to the sun, right? Because when we are not in that prime time, we're still getting some of those benefits of generating some vitamin D through that natural process that happens in our skin cells. Um, And then fresh air and breathing, right? So just getting in some nice breath work or, or rhythmic breath, in the morning is super helpful. And um, for the most part, I'm close to nature. So I'll go to the nearest park and do our walk in a park or try and do it in a place that's surrounded by trees or something like that. So getting out in nature, it's also very helpful for the nervous system. So even though those aren't necessarily like 
circadian rhythm kind of things, they're still external cues that help our body work the best that it can from the environment, right? So those are a lot of different reasons that I like doing that morning mm-hmm. walk. Agree. I agree. Um, one thing that I learned just the other day, and um, this is my own like experimentation into intermittent fasting and really paying attention to blood sugar levels and that kind of thing, is that the circadian rhythm is also involved in our blood glucose modulation, right? And so um, we are more insulin resistant, meaning it takes a lot longer to burn off the calories that we eat after the sun goes down. And I just found that to be totally fascinating of once again, here we are with circadian rhythms, like everything is happening with uh, in, in uh, sync in synchronization with the sun, right? And so we actually can metabolize food better when the sun, when it's still light out. So those meals that are happening and being consumed after dark are going to take a lot longer to metabolize. And I found that really fascinating mm-hmm. too. That is really, really fascinating. I, and I think if, if a lot of people stopped and thought about it, they'd be like, oh, well, I, I can see that, or I get that, or, you know, I can see how that would apply to me. Now, again, it might not always be the case. Like some people can tolerate having meals later after dark, but it's it's interesting in like the late night snackers, right? Because I'm like, well, I wonder mm-hmm. how much how much more of an effect that's having on you because you are snacking in the evening versus if you were to have those snacks in the morning, right? If that behavior was shifted earlier, I wonder if Correct. it would affect you the same as if it does in the evening. So it's just something to be Correct. curious about. Yeah, something to play mm-hmm. around with. Um how about mood? Have you ever been affected by mood in some? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So definitely. I live in the Midwest. So winters can definitely be rough because we don't get as much sunlight as we normally do in the summer. The days are definitely mm-hmm. shorter. I mean, you know, that when the days, when the sun goes down and is pitch black by 5 p.m., it's really, really hard to not be affected by that for me personally. Um, I'm a sunshine girl. I love yeah. the sun. I love the summer. Um, so that's also, I mean, that would actually be another reason why I'm such a big proponent of going on morning walks and getting that natural light in the morning because I do feel like that exposure is really helpful for me because I do benefit from that sunlight and it makes just it just it makes me feel happy and joyful and more optimistic. And so when I get that first thing in the morning, that's going to set the tone for the rest of my day. Whereas if I don't get that, Absolutely. I have a little bit of a harder time like getting up and get going and feeling really good and feeling really focused and energized. So I do like that. And I've noticed a correlation in the days where, you know, there's been days where it doesn't look like the the time has changed at all. Like it's, it's cloudy in the morning and it just stays the same type of cloudiness all day. And you're like, is it still 8 a.m.? Like what you have no sense of time at that point because the sun doesn't move the way yeah, it does. Yeah. And that will also affect mm-hmm. my mood as well. So Absolutely. I'm definitely influenced and, by it. Oh, I'm so influenced by it. So I grew up in Colorado and, you know, Colorado's known for having, you know, 340 some odd sunny days a year, right? And went to university in Bellingham, Washington, which is pretty much overcast for nine months out of the year. And I mean, we didn't even really fully understand seasonal affective disorder or SAD in the way that we do now and how we are um, so affected from a cognitive mood standpoint. And man, that first year of university was 
hard. Like I was not motivated to do things. I wasn't motivated to get outside. I just wanted to stay in, you know, and um, definitely dealing with dep- like depression for the first time in my life. And I couldn't figure out like, is this because I'm away from home? Like what is going on here? You know, and then that summer, That first summer after that first year, I came to California to help out with a family project. And um, lo and behold, sunshine, man. I was just like overjoyed and energized and just having the best time. And I couldn't even, I I couldn't get myself to go back. So I I did the long haul and, you know, changed universities and did the out-of-state tuition thing at community college and all that stuff. But now, like we've got such wonderful resources to understand what's happening when we go to shorter daytime periods, right? In the winter here in, in the Northern Hemisphere and in the summer in the Southern Hemisphere. And we can get full spectrum lamps to help us with that. Um, in fact, I've, I've got one in my window um, that I use in the mornings, right? Because I rise before the sun comes up typically. And so I will turn that on and get full spectrum light with a full spectrum uh, lamp and use that a lot during the winter months. Um, and it makes a huge amount of difference. Oh, you know? I can imagine. Yeah. When you wake up and it's dark and it's cold and you know the sun won't be up for like another hour and a half, it's, it's really hard to get going and right. start your day. It is. And the power of light is so amazing that instantly I feel a difference when I turn that lamp on. And it's, I didn't think that it would be so instant, but I can literally feel kind of like this relief. It's almost like when you're waking up and it's still dark, like you said, and you know, it's a good hour and a half or so before the sun is actually going to come up. It kind of feels like this weight. Mm -hmm. It's the same feeling I used to get having to get up at two in the morning to go show up for a flight, an early morning flight. Like it's just like, oh, yeah. you're just so, it, it takes so much to get moving. You turn that light on and it feels much better. And, you know, we even have devices um, that you can use to give yourself light exposure to help yourself adjust to jet lag, right? So if you're crossing the Atlantic and you're trying to adjust to jet lag, you can do these little like light doses with intense blue light to help with that circadian rhythm shift, because that's really what you're doing when you're changing time zones. You're shifting your entire circadian rhythm and it takes a couple mm-hmm. days to figure mm-hmm. that out. Definitely. Right? Yeah. It's really cool that we can use so, that. Yeah. It's again, a free medicine, free resource to adjust and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so I guess really for um, people who are listening, it doesn't mean that you have to do things the way that we're doing. Not everybody's going to have the luxury of being able to get up and immediately go for a walk. You know, they might be getting kiddos ready for school and packing lunches and that kind of thing. So it's really about taking what you hear and picking those things that you think you could implement pretty easily um, or making a small shift because, you know, most of these things that we do in health and wellness, like we're not changing everything all at once. And you hear one topic about circadian rhythm and all of a sudden it's like, okay, dinner's got to be done by five. And then we got to all get up with the sunrise, you know, and that's such a hard change to do in a household. So really it's picking, picking one of those things, even if it's buying a red light bulb. Mm -hmm. That's like a super simple way of doing it or blue light blocking glasses, right? So that we can protect ourselves from too much blue light exposure uh, during the 
evening hours or even during the day, like a lot of us are on computers all day long, right? And we're getting blue and green light exposure from the computers and um, you can get mild uh, blue light blocking. So these are prescription glasses that I have on right now and they have mild blue light blocking in them specifically more for like um, glare control or um, I can't remember the name of what they called it, but it definitely blocks a little bit of that blue light. And I can tell the eye strain is less, the fatigue is less when I'm using those kinds of things. But then when I'm done for the day, I shift into the glasses that are darker, the oranger ones, right? That are blocking the blue light. And that helps a lot. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So yeah. Have you gotten everybody in your household to do blue light blockers? <laughs> um, so Danny, my husband, he has not done blue light blockers, but he he understands that we turn the overhead lights off. You know, it basically the cue is when the sun goes down, the lights go down too. So overhead lights go off, turn lamps on. Um, when we had the, you know, the Christmas tree, that's really nice because that would be a really, that would be a better light source than having the overhead lights. I wear my blue light blocking glasses. Um, but he is on board with the red light bulb. So that'll be interesting to see if he notices a change too, because he's like, oh, I don't, I don't need blue light blocking glasses in the evening, but I'll be curious to see what he thinks. He does wear them during the day at work because mm-hmm. he works on a screen all day. So, and he has noticed that he feels better just mm-hmm. in terms of even like eye strain, headaches. Um, so yeah, he, he's on board, but we'll see, um, we'll see what changes he notices versus the one that I noticed too. Yeah, it's interesting because I think for me in my household, I was the one who struggled with insomnia for a long time, right? And I started using blue light blocking glasses and almost within two or three days, I was able to start falling asleep within a few minutes instead of 30, 45, yeah. an hour. You know, that's how it how much it affected me. And Jeremy, my husband, he started wearing blue light blocking glasses, but he didn't really notice a difference because he was already, you know, hitting the pillow and falling asleep. So it for him, it wasn't a, an immediate feedback or enough of a feedback to make it a long term behavior change. Mm-hmm. But he is really open to having the lower lights and, and the different kinds of um, colors in our lamps at night. And, and that really helps him relax. So he notices the relaxing piece more than the insomnia piece like I yeah, do. I know. It's it's interesting so, to see yeah. how everyone is affected differently. I think there's benefits for all. It's just, again, if you're starting out with that's not even a problem for you in terms of falling asleep, then yeah, you might not notice a big difference with the glasses, but you might notice it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So um, we'll include some of the links in the show notes to the lamps and the light bulbs and maybe some blue light blocking glasses and that kind of thing. Any final takeaways that you want to say? I think just again, like Teresa said, take a little piece of what you heard today. You don't have to uproot your entire routine. You don't have to go for a 35 minute walk in the morning. Do what you can and just get curious on how this is going to impact you and know that these things are available to you for whenever you're ready to implement them. And um, it's just, it's a fun experiment to see what you notice when you start implementing these things. It is. And if I could, I would put a link to the sun in the show notes, (laughs) um, but I can't. Uh, but it is absolutely free. Like you said, I mean, that's one of the coolest things about it is that it's free. It's available to us. Um, there is no economic limitation to allowing you to get out and just take advantage of the sun. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a walk. It can be literally sitting on the porch with your tea in the morning or whatever you're drinking in the morning and just absorbing that light. 
um, as much as you can without sunglasses. I should have yeah, said that. Yeah. We want naked eyeballs mm -hmm. doing this, right? Because we actually do want the light to go into the eyes. And because the sun is so low on the horizon, we're not going to have the same effect with the um, cells at the back of the eyes as we would during the day. So you don't necessarily, or higher points of the day, you don't necessarily be, need to have sunnies on in the morning. So it's actually better if you yeah. don't. So yeah. Super cool. Well, thank you so much, Evie, for joining me. And we'll see all of you guys at the next all episode. Right, have a great one. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. If you are ready to dig deeper into your health, stop playing the wackest symptom game, start testing to get better guidance, you can find more about Terea at tereyarodriguez.com and you can find Evie at holisticallyrestored.com. Want to peek into what it's like to work with us? Come join us at our optimized wellness community. You can find the invitation link in the show notes below. And if you have a question for the show, you can submit your question under the podcast section of tereyarodriguez.com. Finally, if you found something helpful in this episode, don't forget to leave a review, hit that follow button, or share it with a friend. They're going to love that you thought of them. Until next time, see you outside. <laughs>